Man, why isn't that worship incredible this morning? Give it up for these guys. Yeah. And I love that song. Waymaker, man, that's who he is. And uh, I hope you will allow that song to speak to your heart this week. And um, I'm Pastor Scott. We're glad to have you here. If this is your first time with us, and I met some of you already, but again, if it's your first time, you should have received a program like this. Inside is a connection card, and we just ask you to fill that out. And at the end of the service, uh, you drop that card in the basket as it comes by your way. It's the only thing we want from you is just to get to know you and be connected with you. Um, we invite our regular, our regular attenders and members to at least put your name on the front and, and on the back. You know, maybe there's a, uh, a decision that you'll make today. Maybe there's a, um, uh, a comment, a prayer request, uh, something that uh, we could help you with. Please let, let us know on the back of, that, of your card. And uh, we're just uh, uh, glad that you're here. Winter break, but this is a good crowd, a healthy-looking crowd for winter break. I know a lot of people are out of town. I'm so glad that you're here today. Uh, we're in our series called The Grudge. And uh, the past week, I've been kind of wrestling with um, another message. And so today was supposed to have been the last message of this series, and I've decided, you know, there's one more message, and next Sunday, I've got one more final thought that I want to kind of talk about, and, uh, but let me give you a quick review, and, and, and let me tell you where we're going next week, but week one, uh, first week, we talk about how to get over the small offenses, the, the things that offend us so easily, and how to get over it, you know, and if you're not careful, you can be offended if you're looking for it, if you're looking to be offended, You'll find it. It's there. You can be offended by anything. All you have to do is go on social media and you'll be offended at some point along the way. And so it's easy to be offended. We talk about how to get over it, how to get over that in week one. Week two, we talk about forgiving the, the painful betrayals, the real deep wounds of the past and how to let go, let go of bitterness. And, and this was a really uh, challenging message um, and we uh, hopefully we delivered that message um, as best as I could on how to handle betrayal and how to de deal with those. Um, you know, it's not as easy as just getting over it. It's something that's deeper than that. And how to let go of bitterness. And that was week two. Last week we talked about how to forgive God. You know, when He doesn't do what you want Him to do. And uh, technically speaking, we don't. We can't forgive God because God doesn't sin against us. God never sins. But we talk about how to deal with those things that he doesn't do what you want him to do. And, and I love what we were saying uh, a few minutes ago. Even when we're not looking, even when we don't feel it, God is at work. God is working. He's the way maker. And uh, what a powerful song for that, for that thought right there. That was last Sunday. Now next week, um, for the, for the last message, I want to talk about how to seek forgiveness to someone that we offended, you know, and, and maybe that person don't even know that you've, uh, uh, that you've sinned against them, and yet you've got a conscience that's just holding you back, and, and we're going to talk about how to clear up your conscience, how to deal with that issue, and how to come clean and uh, how to come clean to others, and how to come clean before God. And then I thought the past week, 
I called an audible, I called two audibles. I decided, hey, I'll do another message on this series. And the second audible is, you know, what a perfect opportunity for us to just close the series on forgiveness by doing communion. And so next Sunday, we're gonna end our service with communion. And it's at the heart of communion it's the, it's the forgiveness of God and what he did on the cross for your sins and for my sins. It's the gospel. And, and that's really in the essence of what we've been talking about. It's because of the gospel we can have forgiveness. We don't have to carry the grudge. Today, I want to talk about forgiving the person that may be the most difficult for many people to forgive, and, and that is forgiving yourself. Forgiving yourself. How do you forgive yourself when you let yourself down or you let God down? How do you do that? And that's what we're going to tackle today. Uh, and we've all blown it. In fact, um, when I was in college, um, and I went to Bible college, and I had a minor in history. I was, I was a I major in pastoral studies, but I had a minor in history, and I thought, I love history, and I take a history class. And, and there's one class that I took, the very first class called, and I went to, I was like, oh man, this is gonna be a long semester, called polit- political science. I was really looking forward to it. I went to the political science class, and the teacher was absolutely the most boring teacher I've ever had. I mean, actually, I actually can't stick with this guy. And I, and I said, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm going I'm to make it through this, and I'll, I'll figure this out. And, and, and then later on, a couple of days later, um, uh, I've already took that class and, you know, for the day, and I'm in the bathroom you know, between periods, you know, between second and third period, and, and I run into a friend of mine in the bathroom, and I said, hey, man, what class are you going to? And he said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to this Bible class, and he said, well, I... My friend said, well, I'm going to the political science class, you know. And I said, oh, the teacher, and I named the teacher's name. He said, yeah, that's the teacher I'm going to. And I said, man, I am so sorry. It's the most boring teacher ever. It's awful. I mean, I can't stand it. The the, the, the sound of his voice, you know. And and, I mean, it's bad because I've got a bad voice, okay. And so I'm I'm just kind of ripping on him. I'm just saying it's terrible. And my friend said, no, he's not good. I don't like him either. And, And... and, and we thought that we were the only two people in the bathroom. <laughs> and for some reason, he bent over, and I thought maybe he was tying his shoes or picking up a piece of paper. I can't remember, but apparently he looked under the stalls and recognized someone's pair of shoes, and he then back up, he put his mouth over my mouth and said, shh. <laughs> and I'm like, what's up? He said, get go. I said, go. And I said, right. we walk out of the bathroom. I said, what's going on? What, what's happening? He said, I, I think our teacher is in the bathroom. I said, no, you don't. You don't know that. I mean, I said, no, I'm pretty sure it's him. I said, so we're in the, in the, in the common area, not too far from the bathroom, just waiting to see if that teacher is coming out. And sure enough, that teacher came out of the bathroom, and he was not looking very happy. And I'm like, oh, snap. I've got the most recognizable voice on campus. <laughs> I mean, he knows it's me. And, and, and so here's what happened. On that day, I had made a decision. I said, this is God's will. I am, it was like the deadline coming up to change minors and to drop classes. 
And sure enough, I dropped my minor of history <laughs> and dropped that class because I knew I could never step foot in that class again. And I just wasn't going to man up. I'd say, you know what, this, this, this is a good day to call it quit. And I changed my minor and I changed my minor to Greek of all minors. And I don't know, you ask me what am I doing with my life. I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. I just did it. And uh, you talk about, man, yeah, you really kind of messed that up. I did. But, you know, when we talk about really failures and messing up, when we think about it, and this can really be difficult because we know what we did that we shouldn't have done or and we wish that we could have undone it or we wish that we could undo it and we carry the guilt. And the question is, how can I forgive myself after what I did? How can I forgive myself? And, and I don't know what it might be for you. Maybe you one time drank too much one night and you did something that you can't undo or you can't unsay, and you've got regrets and guilt and shame because of it. Maybe it was years ago, you were in your teen years, you were a teenager, or maybe you were in your 20s, and you felt cornered in a very desperate situation, and you made what you thought was the right decision at the time, and ever since then, you've regretted it. You've regretted it. Maybe in the name of loving your family, you did what you thought best for your family. You poured yourself into your work, and you thought, man, I'm going to be a good provider. I'm going to be good, uh, a good uh, dad. I'm going to be successful for my, for my kids. I'm going to be a good mom. I'm going to work hard so my kids could have all the stuff that I never had growing up. And then the years went by, and, uh, and suddenly you find yourself disconnected with your kids. And you think, no, what did I do? Why did I do that? Why? The whole time, the most important thing was in front of me, and I've neglected that. I have poured my life into my job, into the things that really don't matter. And you can't get over the guilt because you've neglected your children, neglected your kids, your family. Maybe you find, maybe at one time you found yourself in a really odd spot in your marriage. And then instead of stepping into your marriage, you had a moment where you step out of your marriage and you betrayed your spouse. And, and yes, God has forgiven you, your spouse has forgiven you, but you can't get over the guilt and the shame of that moment. Maybe it's the clicking, the looking on the internet, the things that you know you shouldn't look at. And, and at the same time, you really do love God and you love your, and if you're married, you, you love your spouse. And, but you keep going back and back, back again, and, and you're overwhelmed by the guilt and the shame that it carries. What do you do when what you did haunts you? When the guilt just won't go away? And that's what I want to answer today is the question, why can't I forgive myself? Why can't I forgive myself? What do you do with the guilt? And all of us, unfortunately, all of us, at one time or another, we have fallen short of God's standard. We have fallen short of the right standards, and we've let ourselves down, we've let God down, we've let other people down. And many of you right now, you feel the weight of a decision that you made in the past, and it's still heavy on you, and you can't get over it. So what we're going to do today, I want to look at Luke chapter 22, and I want us to look at a guy who messed up big time, big time. Peter, the apostle Peter, but at this time in the story, the disciple Peter, and 
we're going to look at this story, and the reality is this. The reality is he deserved to be counted out. He deserved it for what he did. But because of the grace of Jesus, we're going to see that God gave him a second chance, another chance. And I know for some of you, this will be a message, uh, a moment with God that will bring the hope that you need to keep going and to believe that God has something better for you in the future. And he does. He does. And I pray that this will help you. This will be a healing for some of you this morning. Let me give you the context of Luke chapter 22. And, um, and Jesus, first of all, he's with the disciples. They're in the upper room. This is really the last supper uh, that Jesus is going to have with him. And a few hours later, he's going to be crucified and put to death on the cross. Now, the disciples don't know this. They don't, they don't know. They don't realize that this is the last supper that Jesus is going to have before his death. But Jesus tells his disciples, he said, tonight, all of you will fall away on account of me. You're going to fall away from me. You're going you're to kind of fall your, uh, distance yourself with me. And, and Peter, you know, he's the one guy in the room. He just likes to speak up, speak up all the time. He had the foot and mouth disease, right? And he's always speaking out. And he speaks up. He says, no, 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 Jesus. I, I've got your back. I, I am not going to fall away from you. In fact, I will die for you. I will go all the way for you. And Jesus looked at Peter, and prophetically, he tells Peter, he said, tonight, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. You will deny me. And Peter's like, man, that's not going to happen. I am not going to deny you. I am with you. I've got your back. And if you know how the story goes, Peter denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And we're going to see the story and see what we can learn from God and how we can overcome our own failures in the story. I want to pick up the story in verse 54 of Luke 22. And first, I want you to notice two of Peter's mistakes. He made many, all right? That was just Peter. He made many mistakes. But there are two that we want to highlight here and, and there's a good chance that you might find yourself in the story this morning. In Luke chapter 22, verse 54, then seizing him, all right, this is the mob capturing or taking Jesus um, prisoner. Uh, this is seizing Jesus. They led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. And I want to pause here because what you need to know at this moment, and we'll come back to this later, is that when Jesus is in the house, when he gets into this house, this is where the beating actually began. The beating of Jesus. And he's going to come out of the house looking much more, looking much different than the way he came in. All right, so we'll come back to that in a little bit. But he went into the house of the high priest, and the Bible says that Peter followed at a distance. And I want you to remember that. Peter followed at a distance. And then we see that Peter is sitting around a bonfire in the middle of the courtyard. And again, Peter is following, remember, at a distance. He's now sitting down in the enemy's camp with some other people. And here's the two mistakes that Peter made. Number one, he underestimated his own weaknesses. He underestimated his own weaknesses. And this is so important. You see, we all have to understand that we are all capable 
absolutely capable of doing anything wrong at any moment. We are all capable of sinning. We are all capable of falling short, messing up, letting down God, letting ourselves down, letting other people down. We're all capable of falling away from the promises that we make. We are all capable of horrific sin. And the moment you think that you're not, it's the moment that you're most vulnerable. I hope you understand that. The moment that you think that you're not weak, you're in a dangerous place with your walk with Jesus. In fact, Paul said this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. He said, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful. In other words, those of you who say, you know, I'll never cheat. I will never have an affair. I will never, I will never. The Bible says that be careful. Be careful. We have to be aware of our own weaknesses. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to fill this out. Acknowledging weakness is the first step toward true strength. Toward true strength. And you have to acknowledge the weakness you have in your life. And Peter did not recognize his own weakness. He said, man, Peter, he said, Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm always going to be there for you. I promise I'll die with you. And then he denied Jesus three times. And so we've got to be aware of our weaknesses. And that was mistake number one. He didn't understand. He didn't embrace his own weaknesses. And number two, he followed Jesus at a distance. That's his second mistake. He followed Jesus at a distance. And I just need to say for some of you this morning, right now, at this point in my message, that this is the moment that you came for today. Because I believe that God is going to lovingly convict you on this point. Peter followed Jesus at a distance. At a distance. We can choose, by the way, every one of us, we can choose how close we are to Jesus. Every one of us. You choose. But some people, they want to be very close to Jesus. They, they, want to, they want to be in his word. They want his Holy Spirit to guide you. They want to be sensitive to what the Lord is leading, leading them to do. You want to be serving in the church. You want to know what his will is. You want to follow Jesus closely because you value him above all else. But tragically, today, I believe that there are many of us in this room that it's more comfortable to follow Jesus from a distance. follow Jesus from a distance. It's more comfortable to do that. In other words, there are so many people today, and so many followers of Christ, you know, I, I honestly believe they want all the good stuff that Jesus had to offer. You know, don't take me to the hot place when I die. Take me to the place where all the angels are. I want to be in heaven. 
I want all the goodness and I want all the blessings that God had to offer. And at the same time, you don't want to follow and pay the cost of following Jesus. You, you, you want the stuff of Jesus, but you don't want to pay the price. You just rather get the blessings, but you want to do it from a distance. And let me say this. If you are following Jesus this morning from a distance, you will never experience all the goodness, all the blessings that he wants you to experience. And not only that, you become vulnerable, much more vulnerable to sin. I always want to be, personally, I want to be a close follower of Jesus. And I got to be honest with you, there are days where I'm walking from a distance. There are days when at the end of the day, I said, man, I did not walk close with Jesus in my thought life, in my action, in the words that I said. But my heart desire is to follow after Jesus. I mean, I want to be as close as I can where he's stepping on my toes. Where I can be in the shadow of his goodness and grace. That's where I want to be. And, and I, I, none of us will get it right. None of us will bat a hundred on this. But man, it starts with a desire. My question for you, do you have a desire to walk close? Or are you satisfied with living a life of, hey, you know, Jesus way over there. And I want my life over here. And yes, I want some of the good stuff, but not at the price of following Jesus. And say, man, God, that's good preaching right there. That's good preaching. Someone, let me hear an amen. Let me hear it right there. Amen. Amen. Mistake number one. Peter didn't realize how weak he was. Mistake number two. He followed Jesus from a distance. And here's how it cost him. Look at verse 56. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely, closely at him and said, this man was with him. And what did Peter do? The Bible said in verse 57, he denied it. He said, woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. Peter said, man, I'm not. You got the wrong guy. About an hour later, another said, hey, certainly, certainly this fellow was with him for he's a Galilean. Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and this is Luke's account. It's interesting to see what Matthew had to say about this story as well. If you look at the story of Matthew or the Gospel of Matthew, he reported it like this. After Peter denied Jesus that third time, he said in Matthew chapter 26, verse 74, he said he began... Peter began to call down curses. Get this. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. In other words, this is what Peter did, according to Matthew. He said, if I'm lying, may a curse fall on my head. I swear to God, and if I'm wrong, send me to hell. If I'm lying, send me to hell. That's how he was saying it. That's the severity of this denial. And what's so crazy is that the only person that Peter fooled was himself. He wasn't fooling nobody else. Everybody knew who the guy was, but he was fooling 
himself, and if I can just say respectfully, there are some of us here in this room right now that the only person that you're fooling is yourself. You're fooling yourself. Everybody else would tell you you've got a problem. And you say, man, I don't have a problem. I mean, I can quit any time. I'm good. I'm good. I know my limits. I, I, I can, you know, follow Jesus from a distance for a short time period. And when I know things are getting a little rough, I'll run to Jesus and I'll be right there. I know my limits. I, I can quit any time. And let me say this. If you could have quit any time, you would have done it a long time ago. Fooling yourself. And the only person that Peter fooled was himself. May a curse fall upon me if I'm lying. And that's how, he de- that's how deceived he was. Go back to Luke chapter 22. After he denied Jesus that third time, look at verse number 16, just as he was speaking. The rooster crowed. And verse 61, to me, it's so heartbreaking. And I, I want you to just picture this moment. The Bible says in verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. I mean, think about this. At this point in the story, Jesus had already been in that house. Remember that house I talked about, told you about? He'd already been in the house. house. He's out of the house and most likely would beat up, bruised, bloodied. The Savior that Peter loved, Jesus, in that moment, looks at Peter. And in this moment, as Jesus has always been faithful to Peter, he looks at unfaithful Peter straight in the eye. You can only imagine the pain of that moment. It said, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, and then Peter at that point, remembered the word the Lord has spoken to him. Before the rooster crowed today, you were disowned me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly, bitterly. Peter, who Jesus called the rock, crumbled. Not one time, not two times, but he crumbled three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly because he knew that he had completely disappointed and broken the heart of Jesus. And and here's what I believe happened to Peter in this moment. I believe that Peter in this moment realized he'd blown it so bad that he wrote himself out. That, man, I'm done. I've blown it. It's unforgivable. I can't even forgive me. And I believe that's what happened. I believe that he allowed his failure in this moment to define define him. He was defined by his own failure. And I believe he did that. However, and I wish I could take more time on this powerful thought, if you're taking note, failure is an event, never a person. It's an event. Notice the rest of the story, that Jesus was taken to the cross, right? He He died on the cross. They took his body down. They took his body down. They put him in a tomb. And everybody, everybody thought it was over. It was done. I mean, he's dead. He is buried. And then three days later, 
some ladies that followed Jesus, some of the, uh, they, they went to the tomb site, they went to the grave site and noticed that the tomb was open and, and there was an angel standing there. And, and the angel said, and we see this part of the story, I want us to look at the Gospel of Mark. And this is what the angel tells the lady in Mark chapter 16, verse number 6. And this is perhaps part of my favorite part of the whole resurrection story, uh, besides the fact that Jesus you know, his body is resurrected. I mean, that's the best part. But this part right here is just a great part of my story, of the story here. He said, the angel said in verse 6, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. And I brought, they went in, they look in the tomb, and there's no body. Right? And, and, and so... And they walk out, and, and the angel said this in verse 7. He said, now go tell his disciples, and this is what I love. The angel made sure that the message was loud and clear. He said, and Peter. Make sure you tell the disciples, and hey, by the way, find Peter. Because at this point, Peter is not going to want to come to the tomb. Peter's going to find out that Jesus rose again and that he's not going to feel like he should be around Jesus because he dropped the ball in the last final hours of Jesus' life. And the angel said, hey, 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 God's not done with Peter. Find Peter. Get the disciples, but make sure you get Peter too. I love that. I love that. Jesus didn't count them out. Just because you failed at something doesn't mean you're a failure. See, failure is an event, never the person. Now, one of my favorite verses of my life, I call this my life verse, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Bible says, being confident of this. I mean, we can have confidence of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it unto completion until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, God is never finished with you. And we see that God is not finished with Peter. See, God never waits to failure. He never does. He will use that failure to draw us to be closer and stronger for Jesus. In John chapter 21, now we're going a little bit further down the story. You know, Jesus, you know, Jesus has now revealed himself to the disciple. Peter is around Jesus. In fact, Peter, they go to the tomb. Okay, now we're going a little bit later. You no, know, a few weeks later. A few weeks later, in John chapter 21, we see a conversation. It's a beautiful conversation between Jesus and Peter. And I would encourage you to read this chapter in light of this message. I'm going to give you the cliff notes. Jesus shows up to Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, I love you. I love you. I know I did something stupid. I dropped the ball. I failed. Isn't that the way it is sometimes, right? We say, yes, God, I love you. Yes, I want to do what's right. Yes, I messed up. I I don't know why I did it, but I, I, I... love you and I don't want to do it again. Yes, God, please help me. Yes, I do love you. I failed, but I love you. And let me tell you what Jesus did not say back to Peter. He didn't say, yeah, I told you so. I told you you were going to do it. 
didn't say that. See, Jesus didn't say, now I want you to think about it. I want you to dwell on your past. Uh, you're, you're in spiritual time out, Peter. He didn't do that. He didn't say, you know, you need to drown in your guilt and shame. He didn't do that. And I want you to see what he did, and I want you to feel the power. I want you to feel the love. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes. Jesus, you know I do. And then Jesus, I can imagine Jesus smiling, smiling and said, well, then feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. In other words, go do my will. Go, go, go show my love. Go, go do the mission that I have given you. Go do what I have assigned you to do. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Then you're forgiven. Go do what I created you to be. Go do it. And let me tell you what Peter didn't do. Let me tell you how he didn't respond. He didn't say, God, I, I can't receive your grace. I don't deserve a second chance. But by the way, he's right on that. He don't deserve a second chance. But God is willing to do that. But he didn't say that. He said, God, I can't, I can't get over it. I don't deserve it. Your grace, hey, your grace may be enough for John and Andrew. But God, I mean, I went way too far. Your grace is not good enough for me. But Peter didn't do that. And by the way, that's what exactly many of us do. We mess up, we sin, we've blown it, and then we say, God, I, I can't be forgiven. I've blown it. There's not enough grace to forgive me of what I did. You can forgive so-and-so and that person and that person, but not me. I deserve to live in shame for the rest of my life. And that's what some of us do. And some of us allow that shame to control who you are. You let shame control your life. In fact, we should not let shame control our life. We should let guilt, the guilt of our sin, should lead us to repentance. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, godly sorrow brings repentance. In other words, guilt. Godly sorrow, guilt, same idea. It brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. I mean, this is a sorrow that says, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Man, that wasn't the right thing. I dishonored God. I dishonored my, my, the people around me. I, I hurt somebody. I would give anything to not do that over again. That's the kind of sorrow that will bring repentance, that will lead to salvation and no regret. By the way, there's a big difference between godly sorrow, guilt, and shame, big difference. And I, and I hope that this, in this next minute, this might be life-changing for some of you right here. What does guilt say? The guilt says, I did something wrong. I did something bad, but it's forgivable. See, guilt says, I did something bad. Shame says, shame says, I am bad. I'm a bad person, and, and see, this is where the devil gets in your head. This is where it's at. Because he wants to try to use your action and to connect it to your identity. 
You want to take your behavior of the past and say, this is who you are. And you want to create a sense of shame, an identity of shame. The devil wants you to believe that you're pathetic. The devil wants you to believe that you're a loser, a no count, that you're worthless, useless. He wants you to think that God will never use you again after what you thought or after what you said or after what you saw. You'll never be happy. He wants you to know that, he wants you to think that you'll never be blessed again, that you'll never measure up, that you'll never have a real ministry, that you'll never have a great marriage, that your kids will never honor you again. You won't leave a great legacy. That's what the devil does. He wants you to think that you're always going to be marked by that thing that you did because you're bad. That's shame. The pain, the shame that you're experiencing. He wants you to think, man, that's the punishment you deserve for the rest of your life. You're supposed to carry it like a scarlet letter on your chest. Shame. And the moment you start dwelling in shame, the moment you start living in shame, it's the moment that the spiritual enemy, the devil, that's exactly where he wants you to be. He wants you there. And you can almost imagine what the devil is telling Peter about this time. He's saying, hey, Peter, you blew it big time, big guy. I mean, of all the people in the world that Jesus could have picked the disciple, he picked you. You had your chance, buddy, and you messed up big time. You've blown it. You have no credibility. You've got no ministry. It's over, man. You ought to quit while you're ahead and run as far as you can because you've got no integrity. You've got no platform because of your failures. You should be ashamed of yourself. You see, shame is the devil's playground. It's the devil's playground. And what does your spiritual enemy want to do? He wants that shame to drive you away from God. But God wants to use your guilt to draw you to his grace. And Peter acknowledged his sin. He repented. He received the forgiveness of Jesus. And Jesus, in the story, restored him. Peter's guilt, if you're taking notes, Peter's guilt was turned to grace. His failure turned to faithfulness. And that's the testimony of Peter. That's his story. And I hope that you see his story and you will apply it to your story. That your failure... Your blown-ups, your mistakes of the past can't be turned into grace. Your failures, his failure into faithfulness. And we know the rest of the story of Peter. Let me give you the last couple thoughts about Peter. A few months later, he got shoulder tapped to preach the first sermon in the church. He preached the first sermon. I mean, God used broken Peter, foot in the mouth, Peter, to preach the first sermon. And in that day, on that day, 3,000 men gave their heart to Jesus and received salvation. Peter was able to preach on forgiveness because he personally has experienced it himself. And eventually, Peter died for his faith. He died for his faith. There was a day at the end of his life where he did not deny Jesus. He died for what he believed in. And tradition says that when they went to 
to put him on the cross, that he said, don't put me on the cross like the way my Savior did. I want to be hung upside down because I, can't, I am not worthy to die like my Jesus. And God used Peter. And let me button this up and we're done. This morning, I don't know what you're holding on to. Something that you did to weigh you down. Something you've said. Something in a moment of stupidity. Uh, I'm here to say this. If you confess that to Jesus, it is forgiven and it's time for you to let go. Your, your guilt of the past, your guilt of the past should lead you to Jesus. You see, don't be stuck in shame because that's where the devil wants you to be. First John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. And I'm here to say this, when you come to Jesus with all unrighteousness, he will forgive you of all of it. Not some of it, not the good, not the the okay sin versus the real horrific sin. No, he said all unrighteousness. And when you've done that, then the word forgive is the Greek word to, that literally means to let go. We need to let go of the past. We can't change the past. But God can change our future. And you still have a future ahead of you. But when you're holding on to shame, you're not going to get very far in your future. You're going to be wallowing in your guilt and your shame and being useless for God because the devil got you where he wants you to be. You see, God's not done with you. Paul said that we being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ and he's not finished with you, and I pray that today that you will forgive yourself, that you will let go of the past and say, God, I have a future, and I want to step into the calling of God. I want to step into what you have for me. I'm tired of living in shame. I'm going to allow the guilt of my sin to lead me into a closer walk with Jesus where I don't walk from a distance, but I walk face to face, walking right, right where Jesus wants me to be. That's where I need to be, and I pray that's where you want to be. Stop fooling yourself. Start stepping in the future that God has for you. Forgive yourself. Why? Because someone died on the cross for the sin that you've committed. And they did it for you. I pray that you let go. And let it go. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power of salvation that your salvation can forgive us of all of our sins. Uh, God, I know that there might be some, some individual here to, this morning, they've been living in shame all their life. There's been an incident in the past year, maybe 10 years ago, maybe when they were a young man or a young lady in their teenage years and 20s and just never gotten over it. And they've been held back. God, I pray that today that they will find freedom find freedom to step into it, to step into your grace, to step into your mercy and to realize that there is freedom from our shame. 
and that you have a calling for us. We can't change our past, but you can change our future. And so, God, maybe there's someone here this morning, God, maybe they just never asked you to come in their heart. They're not a Christian today. They've been trying to follow, they've been here, they've been trying to figure out what Christianity is all about, but they've not taken that next step. And perhaps the reason is, God, is because they believe that they've done too much wickedness in their own life, that they don't deserve, that they can't earn your salvation. But God, help us understand that there's nothing we can earn, but that was a gift that was freely given to us when you send your son Jesus down the cross and all we have to do is just receive your Savior, receive your son Jesus into our life. And perhaps, God, there's someone here today that today they're ready to walk away from shame because that's where the devil has have, have bound them. That's where the, the devil has shackled them. And I pray that today they will be free from that and to see that there is hope in Jesus and that we can be free from the shame of the past because you have forgiven us. And so God, maybe there's someone here today, they, they need to step into your grace, step into your, into what you have for them, salvation so rich and so free. And if that's you this morning, it's just God, you're talking to me. I don't know Jesus. I've been holding back up and thought, I thought, man, if I come to church a few times and maybe get myself a little bit better before I come to Jesus. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were blowing it, while we were screwing up, he came and died for us. He didn't wait for you. He just did it. And he's just waiting on you now to give your life to him. The Bible says all we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. And you can do that where you're at. You're not crying out to me. You're crying out to a holy God that's listening and waiting on you. And you can pray a prayer like this. You say, dear God, I'm a sinner. I've blown it. I messed up. But today I seek your forgiveness. I give you all my guilt, all my shame to you. And I want a new life that can only be given by you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for your salvation. I want to be a child of God. I want to be known by you and not what I've done. But I want to be known by my decision found in you. And if that's you this morning, just God today, we had someone this morning pray that prayer and they raised their hand. But he said, maybe there's someone in here. She said, God, I asked you to come in my heart just now. Just pray that prayer. I asked him to come to my life and be my Lord and Savior. And if that's you in this room, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to, you know, I just want to recognize and, and see who you are. But if that's you, said, man, I pray that prayer. I asked you to my life today. If that's you, I see one hand. Is there anybody else? Is there another hand? I see a hand over here. Anybody else? So man, today, I've asked Jesus to come in my heart for my Lord and Savior. Anybody else? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can be free, that we can forgive ourselves because greater is he that is in me, that is he that is, he that is in the world. We can have victory because of what you've done for us. 